0: Sideline. He has not stepped out. He may go all the way. He needs one block and he'll do it easily. Promise Mess I wouldn't do this.
1: McDavid stops up. What a move. Shoots. Scores.
0: Talk to here we go yes it's another edition of the outsiders in fact this is episode 94 and we're powered by the Macintosh group at remax river city i'm bren griffiths he's robin brownlee look who's joining us today from sportsnet mark specter spec how you doing today i'm doing pretty well boys how's it going great have you got more than a second to talk to us yeah i've got more than a second <laughs> to talk to you guys <laughs> let's uh let's dive right in on this because Robin and I had a conversation about a 10, 15 minute or before we even started recording today about how things have changed for the media, how things have changed for the teams, how things have changed for the fans. And everything kind of came to a head last week when you were uh, basically called to a discussion with Connor McDavid. I'm not expecting you're going to tell us too much about it, but I know my reaction when I heard it was this is finally us getting back to normal because this is not an unusual thing. This is what happened all the time, right?
1: Yeah, when we used to, you know, you used to walk into a dressing room, and you knew what you wrote yesterday if you criticized a certain player or coach or or some aspect of the team. And you know what? The, there's The standard rule, guys, Robin, you'd know this. The standard rule was when you show up in the dressing room the next day, not many guys say anything. If you don't show up, then everybody's got something to say. So – but every once in a while you'd walk in the room and a guy'd say, Hey, come over to my stall. We got to talk about what I just read this morning and you talk it out. And you know, sometimes you say, I mean, you, you, hopefully you usually stand by your your work, but sometimes they say something to you and you go, ah, you know, maybe I was a little harsh or maybe that was a little tough or but in the end, you come away with a basic understanding, and and really, that's what I'll tell you about about McDavid and myself is is that's what it was. Come on in, let's talk about what you wrote. He said his piece, I said mine, and we walked away with a better understanding of each other. You're right; this, this is how it's supposed to work. But uh, the whole COVID thing and and
2: Zoom and podiums has taken that away from us, guys. Well, uh, spec. I mean, COVID's gone on long enough now, and we've been stuck with Zoom. Uh, I don't have to be down there anymore and I'm not, but a big part of the job was sitting around shooting the breeze with these guys. You can't go back to that. I get that, but there's a middle ground. We went from that to slowly being weaned off it into scrums for everybody. Then COVID came and now it's a screen. Um, You don't have any kind of relationship in that circumstance. Not that you got to be friends, but that you can have, these conversations and these understandings, a guy who joined that got in the beat two years ago might not really have the first clue about the players he's covering.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. Right. You know, there's always, listen, on any team, let's say it's 20 guys, 23 guys, you know, there's three or four that are talkative, that are friendly, that you really like. And, and you talk to those guys about different things, not always hockey, just different things. And, and, you know, even the rest of the team, if you, you know, maybe you're thinking, I don't like what's going on in a certain aspect of the team, but before you write something, maybe you go to one of the guys and say, hey, you know, how come I think that this penalty kill is is being done the wrong way? And you can have an off-the-record conversation so that when you do write something, you're smarter, you're more well-informed, and everybody's happier, right? Accuracy yeah. is what we're all looking for here. And I won't lie to you, it's it's much harder to be accurate about the inner workings of a hockey team when you haven't been in the dressing room for two years—no doubt about that.
0: One of the things that I always missed was after you would do an interview for radio or television, was you would pull a microphone down and you'd be sitting next to them in, in their stall, and you just start to shoot the shit about stuff. Like, oh, say, Connor's got a dog named Leonard. Grew it a great right. dog. I'd like to know more about Leonard. Hey, tell me about the dog. How's that going? And all of a sudden the wall drops, right? There's the wall completely comes away because if there's one thing players love talking about their kids and their dog more than anything. Right. And then, so the next time you see him and you walk into the room, and goes, how's Leonard doing? Oh man. And it just seems like it loosens the relationship up a little bit. You still have a job to do. You still have to go in and do your thing, but it just doesn't feel like there's that wall up. And we've had that wall up for two years and it's been, it's been, It's been easy to see what's going on here where they just trot guys out for about a three or four minute media availability. And that's the only time you get a chance to talk to these guys. You can see how it might get a little tense, especially when you're going a horrible losing skid like these guys went on. It's going to get a little tense. The other thing, too, is your job as a columnist. You're not the reporter. You're a columnist. Your job is to give your opinion and to try to create talk. And I think you do an unbelievable job of it. And I laugh every time I see somebody on social media, I'm not reading inspector anymore. I guarantee you they're going to read your next next column. But (laughs) we've been talking about, and Robin's done the beat, you've done the beat, but you've also done a great job of being a columnist. Explain to people exactly what your number one job is so they get it. Well,
1: I mean, first of all, fairness and accuracy is your number one job. I mean, that's, doesn't matter whether you're a beat guy or a columnist or whoever you are, radio guy, TV guy, you got to be fair and you got to be accurate. But my, beyond that, my job is to give you a, a look into some element of the team that maybe everyone else isn't really looking at and to discover something about the team and have an opinion that's different than other people's. That doesn't mean you can just say stupid things, have a different opinion, Right. But to discover different things and have different opinions. I've written, you know, I've written a few times here about how the Oilers are a team that can't win a 2-1 hockey game, which is necessary when you get down the stretch, when you get into the playoffs. I'm not saying I want to watch a team play 2-1 hockey from October through April. That's not what I'm talking about here. But when the chips are down... You have to be able to play that kind of hockey now and again to get through a playoff series. It's my opinion the Oilers can't play that kind of hockey, and it's my opinion that until they're guys that get all the ice time, which is a.k.a. all their best guys, until they figure out how to play that game, the rest of the team, it really doesn't matter. So that's an unpopular opinion when you call out Drysdale and McDavid and Nurse and those guys and say, you know, they're not perfect, right? Yeah. There is an element of Connor McDavid's game that can still get better. There's things that can change. You know, maybe, like I, I, I talk about Sid Crosby. It's always been the comparison, right? There's no question McDavid's a better offensive player than Sid Crosby. Is. No one would doubt that. But, you know what? Who do you want? If I told you we're going to play a 2-1 game
2: tonight, which guy you want in your team? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny because... I read the comments and it's spec, you got a full, you got a full-time gig. You don't have the time to spend. I went through after that, <laughs> the comments on social media and it's all this, this asswipe spec always putting his spin on things. Um, well, yeah, <laughs> that, yes. that's, that's that's why he gets a paycheck. Um, but it's interesting. People get, I didn't have, I didn't have this spec last time I was on the beat. If there was Twitter, it had barely started. It's been since 07 uh, for a full-time gig. Now it's like the reaction. uh, It's like you're public enemy number one. And I know you can't do your job based on what everybody's going to think, but do you find it odd that people seem to be so pissed off at everything right now? Well, they are, right? I think uh, Elliot Friedman always talks about
1: this, how... People are just, in general, sour after two years of this pandemic. So there's a lot of people today that are more sour, <clears throat> more sour than they were previously, or they're going to be in a year from now if we ever get out of this thing. So, the present if,
0: company included, by the way,
1: right? We're we're yeah, all we a little money. yeah. But I think the other thing you got to look at, guys. Here's a dynamic of social media that that you're never going to get away with. I write something, a strong opinion piece, and if Robin likes the piece. He just goes to that little heart and he clicks on it. And he reads the piece, he clicks on the heart, nice piece, spec. Doesn't generally write a word. And then Bryn reads it, he thinks I'm full of crap. He's the guy, because now he's worked up, because spec's full of crap again. So he's the guy (laughs) that hits the reply button and writes a, a, you know, a big long reply about how stupid I am. And I would say this to you that, you know, I don't read all the replies. You can't do it. Um, But I will look at the numbers and I'll see that, you know, 60%, 60% of the interactions were likes 30% were replies. And out of those replies, man, nah, maybe 30% of them were in favor of you. So you can't just gauge yourself by the negative response. It's you have to seek out some positives cause they are there, right? They are there. If you care to you know, count those little hearts, those count too, man.
0: So I have to ask, because we frequently hear this, and that is that the player who plays the game now is different than the one that played through the last generation. So, So you have this conversation with Connor. Did you see a common thread there, or is it just a little different? Maybe he's more sensitive, or is it the typical? And we've all been there. We've all had these little sessions where we got pulled over into the dark corner of the locker room. I had one with Ed Hervey that it was uh, after he swung his helmet in official and I went off the deep end on him where he just called me in the corner. We both quietly had it out. I was changing my opinion a little bit on some things because I didn't know his Compton background, right? That's the kind of stuff you just don't know. And he explained, you know, his side, I explained my side. But did you feel through the conversation you had with Connor that there was a similarity there that these guys, while they have changed a little bit, there's still some some common thread.
1: Yeah, for sure, uh, the, absolutely, right. First of all, I mean, you know, it's it's. Connor's been in town now for what, guys? Is it six years or seven years? One of the two. Uh, yeah, I wish we knew him better. Yeah, Right? Connor's not a guy that even when the room was open, he did his thing. He does. He he fulfills his media obligations, but he's. Not a hang around and chat with a boy's guy. You know, I'm thinking of the player, one of the one of the traits of a guy that likes to talk to the media and likes to kibitz and, is they would do their sticks right in their stall. Sitting, yes. Right? And they sit there. And that was almost a bit of a sign. Hey, I'm sitting there for 10 or 12, 15 minutes. Anyone want to come by? I got nothing to do. You know, no. Ryan Smith used to change his laces. You remember this, Brian uh, Robin. No. He, he used to change his laces every day, right? Yep. Every day. Yeah. And for me, it became a bit of a every other day. I'd sit down or stand next to him, and that was ten minutes of kibitzing with Ryan Smith. And you know what? You learn stuff. You figure stuff out. You get to know the guy. You get a little bit of a know about the team. So, so back to Connor. Uh, I haven't had enough of that with Connor. And yeah, he's the same as all those guys. He, he I'm not. A, I'm not giving out any tales uh, away from school here. He didn't yeah. love what I wrote. He made the point to me. I defended what I wrote. I talked about some things. I learned a little from him. He learned a little from me, and we walked away, and we're not enemies here. So no one got beat up. No one got taken to the woodshed, done none of that stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we're all better for it. Communication, man.
2: We're in every form of life. We're better when we communicate with each other, right? So so you didn't get the and in- and. In- God bless him and God rest his soul. I got the very, I got the not so subtle wave over from Teddy green oh. one day. Ooh, that's, he, all he, that's not all a good he one. He, he, he rested his hand on right here where you can squeeze and he didn't <laughs> squeeze a lot, but he squeezed a little, as he was talking about, I could feel how strong this man was at, at his age. And he just, and he said, I, at the end, he said, I just want you to be fair, and he squeezed a bit
0: more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you okay. got it, Teddy. I'm
2: good. I'll uh, I'll be fair. We're we're good. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> no,
1: it's funny, isn't it? Like, and and I think maybe I know this. The world's a little more sensitive today. Uh, I remember when Craig McTavish was a player. He made a point of saying to me one time, we got after it about something. I don't even remember what, and he was arguing with me and I was arguing with him. And the next day I I was a young reporter and the next day I was kind of, I was in the room, but I wasn't around. I kind of, you know, I thought I was a little scared of him. I was a little intimidated, right? I'm a young guy and he was a veteran. And you know what? He was leaving the rink in old Rexall and you know where we'd stand out there by those pop machines, Robin, and the players had to walk right by you to get to their cars. He came over to me, he said, look, Speck, he says, this is how hockey works. We're going to get into it once in a while. We're going to say our piece. And the next day, we're going to act like it didn't happen. Yeah. And that's how we're going to do this around here. So you know what? He says, don't feel like that. We left a dent here. We set our piece, and we're both moving on. And I thought, you know, I learned a lot from him that day. And and I think we're it's a better place if we can be that way. If we're not thinking about on Tuesday what we said on Monday always, then we can move on a little quicker these days.
0: The uh, The relationship between media and fans. One of the things, and Robin and I talked about this before we went on. I always tried to remember that I was an extension of the fan going into the room. If I wasn't asking a question that a fan wanted an answer to, I consider that a total failure on my part. But there's been this disconnect, and I think social media is probably the biggest reason. Fans think that we're just going in there to coddle these guys. Well, we can't do that. The other thing, too, fans think that if we say something bad, the team's going to take away our credentials. I've never seen it. I've never seen it anywhere where that's been the case. As long as you're fair, right?
1: Yeah, no fair. I've been around Eminem for 30 years. I don't know anybody who ever had their credentials taken away. And I've been in as much trouble with coaches and GMs as the next guy. And uh, it's never even been broached with me. So you're right, Bryn. That's a fallacy out there that we're all afraid to get our press credentials taken. Oh, away. Oh, yeah, I've know.
0: never worried about that ever. And the other thing, too, frequently the general manager or the president of the hockey club or the football club might actually ask you, a little bit quietly and gently. Don't be afraid to go after him a little bit here right now. We need to kind of kick his ass. And there's only so much a team can do where you got to light the guy's fire. Yeah, Yeah. I hate to say it, but it's true. I'm sure you guys have fallen into that category where you kind of know you're getting the green light without them really saying, go after this guy, right? Right. Robin was the king. Wow. Yeah. Slats was the all time great at that. Don't be afraid to say how you feel.
2: Well, you know, what I miss, and uh, maybe, Bren, you had some of it, because, I mean, he worked for the club as well. I know Spec would, would have the same thing and probably still does in some cases, and it was part of the fun. I had a uh, – sometimes it was a coach, sometimes it was a GM, but there was a, a assistant GM who I could always count on. He, he would say, I will never lie to you, so if you've got it right – yeah, the, the, the check mark is no comment, which is very common. You could have it in your story. So-and-so <laughs> said no, declined comment. That was, between the two of us, yeah. confirmed what, what the journal or The Sun is writing today. Um, do you still, is there still room for that in the biz spec? Because to me, that was a big part of the, the process and the fun.
1: Yeah, there. I think there is, especially with the older school guys, you know, I'll say Ken, Ken Holland is a really, as the players always say, he's like, this has this open door policy. He really does with us too. I'm not telling you that he's given me all these, this information and all this stuff, but he's old school in that if you have a piece of news that is correct and, and you know, you're right. And you come to him and say, Hey, is this going on? He'll, he'll, Or if you, the other way, if you're going somewhere and he, he may say, I wouldn't go there. That's, you know, and that's, that's that's enough code. for You got this thing wrong, pal. So, you know what? And I, I love that. I don't, I think that's fair. Like we're all in this thing, man. We're all, he's making trades. I'm trying to break the trades, right? He's, he's making decisions and, and trying to build his team. And I'm trying to report to the fans as fast as I can, what he's doing. I'm not saying he needs me and I need, I mean, I need him. I'm not sure he needs me, but A guy like Ken Holland is old school, and I think it's a better process for the fans, for the media, for everybody. We have a little more fun, I think, no?
0: Oh, I totally agree. It's got to be fun down there. It's got to be loose down there. And you want to talk to the other media guys as much as you want to talk to the players and the management of teams. That's all part of it. But I, I go back now because you guys write for a living. I had to blab and talk for a living and I still remember something that Brian Hall, one of the all-time great classic broadcasters in the Edmonton market, told me once, he says, Brinster, you have an obligation to be uh, fair. You have an obligation to to say how you feel. But at, at the end of the day, you've got to remember, on radio and television, you also have to be a bit of an entertainer, as much as anything. You've got to get people wanting to listen and listen longer. That's how the job works. But it's a, it's not an easy job for a lot of people, but... I've, I've heard you and, and Bob on Oilers now a couple times going at it, and I think to myself, well, I'm very intrigued by this conversation because these two guys have got different viewpoints. Bob works for the club. You do not. You're going to see it not. way different from Bob, and you're going to go at it. So now I try to figure out where's the fine line here between uh, these guys hating each other right now and the, they might go for a coffee in Bailey's later. Or is there a little bit of a show involved here because it's a radio program, but you and Bob have been a little bit at odds lately. Is everything okay? Yeah. No,
1: listen, Bobby and I don't know each other for a really long time. I'm not saying we've never gotten a little sour at each other once in a while. What the hell? We've worked together for, yeah, you know, most of 25 years on and off. So sure. Like you ever fight with your wife? Come on. Um, disagree. <laughs> no, I never
2: do, but you guys may. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No spec. Bob used to plant trees. I bet you didn't know that. eh? <laughs> oh
1: my God. But it is better radio. It's better. Radio oh, when, when we, get, when we have a day and we, we, you know, we've been doing this for a while. When we have a day where there's something going on that, that we don't agree we both look forward to the day. It's a better day, right? When, when we agree, we got to move on and find something we don't agree on because two guys agree and does make good radio.
0: No, it, you're absolutely correct. And also, you know what? When there's a little, I say radio in particular, especially sports talk radio, revolves around three Cs. I've always believed that. Number one is content. Number two is just the creative manner and how you present it. And number three, and this is the big one, conflict. If there's not a little conflict between the hosts, or a conflict between the host and a guest, it's it's shitty sports talk radio. It just is. There's got to be, and people say, "Well, I turn that stuff off." No, you don't. When there's a little conflict on the radio, people always do one thing: they turn it up. And, and I'm never listening to those guys again. I guarantee you that listener will be back tomorrow. That reader will be back tomorrow. You know how it works. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about what's going on here. We've we've had this coaching change. The, uh, there's a few things that I noticed in game number one of the Oilers in their victory over the New York Islanders last week, and that is he's very talkative back at the bench. He clearly has the ear of the captain because their their communication on the bench, I noticed, was quite intense, uh, more than I've, I've seen with Connor here over the last few years. But the other thing, too, is he likes to stand doing his press conferences, but uh, he, uh, he seems like he's come in in the right place He's grown an awful lot in that time on the farm. I I, I really like the way he approached game number one spec. What did you think on the opener?
1: Well, he's, a, he's ready, right? He's yeah. ready for the job. This is a guy that if, you know, is you can't look at his resume and say that he's come up too soon, or he's not ready for the gig. Any of those things, he's ready to do it. Never done it before, right? Never done it before. So you never know, but he's ready for his shot. And I think, I, I think it's kind of exciting. We've, You know, Todd McClellan had been around a long time, Ken Hitchcock, a really long time, Dave Tippett, quite a long time. So now you get a coach in here who's young and has some fresh ideas. And, you know, if there was one thing I liked in game one, um, I believe that there's two things here they got to play, they got to have depth. Nugent Hopkins has to anchor a third line, in my opinion. They're never going to get, in this cap situation, uh, Phil Deneau or, you know, that classic third-line center. they got to give Nugent Hopkins a, a decent winger, a guy that can help him with face-offs. So that's the first thing. I like that. And the next thing is this. We all grew up in Canada, and we all know that a hockey shift is somewhere around 45 seconds. Like That's just <laughs> the way it is. Yeah. It's like no different than the first base being 90 feet away from second base in baseball, man. So I've never found it r- understandable how McDavid and Drysdale average 102 and 104, uh, a shift at five on five. I don't get it. I don't think it's right. Uh, I think now over five or six years, you can't look at it and say, well, look at all the success they've had because they haven't had any real success other than winning some trophies, yeah, uh, individual trophies. So I like the fact, that after two periods uh, of his first game, McDavid and Drysdale were like four and five in ice time among forwards. I think that's a really, really healthy sign for this new coach.
2: What I like Speck is, is that he doesn't come in with that sort of deer-in-the-headlights aspect. Um, he's been in the National Hockey League before, buffered as an assistant coach, um, he's been a head coach before. Uh, it's not, neither aspect is brand new to him being a head coach in the National Hockey League is, but that's a smaller transition than having never been the go-to guy before or never having been in the league before. No. Oh, for sure. For sure. Like I say, he's ready. He's been around, you know, he worked
1: under Babcock. Scotty Bowman was around that Detroit team. He's worked for years under Todd McClellan, who's an excellent yeah. coach. He's worked alongside and, and uh, you know, in in concert with Dave Tippett for a long time, an excellent coach. Hitch has has had him under his wing ever since he went to Bakersfield. And, you know, Hitch is an experienced, excellent coach. This guy's ready, man. He is ready, uh, probably more ready than Dallas Akins even was when he came up here as a young guy coming out of the minors and really needed to fail and get another chance. He's a completely different coach in Anaheim now and a su- fairly successful one. Uh, I think I think Woodcroft is is miles ahead of where Akins was in terms of experience, and you know what? Who knows? Let's see what happens. But he might be the right man for the job, huh?
0: Let's also talk about one other shift, and that is uh, you know Jim Playfair is out, Dave Manson is in. We're talking about a defensive core that looks like it needs some kind of reconfiguring. But you have Manson coming in here who's worked with about half these guys, at least half these young blue liners. Talk a little bit about how you see the Dave Manson era starting off already?
1: Well, what we know about Dave Manson as a coach of, of young defensemen is they kept coming up here relatively ready to play. Like he was very good at developing young defensemen. Right. I think it's fair to say that the work he did on Evan Bouchard and, and we see this Nima Linen come along and he can play and, you know, Lagason is what he is. He's a six, seven guy, but he went through Bakersfield and he's been a useful tool up here and, Uh, So my point would be this. Manson can develop defensemen. I've never seen him as an NHL uh, assistant coach yet. Much like Woodcroft, this is sort of a first shot for him. But come on, Charlie, you know, he he was a first-round pick. He was an offensive player. At one point, he ran power plays. He was as tough as there ever was in the National (laughs) Hockey League. He ended his career as more of a shutdown guy. He played every role along the way. I don't know how many games he played. Did he not play like nine hundred games? He uh, right up he there. Is experienced and ready to to lend a new eye in here. I I look quite forward
2: to seeing the work Dave Manson does here. What does Woodcroft Manson, the co- rest of the coaching staff, uh, and and Holland for that matter, spec? Uh, what needs to happen for the rest of the season uh, to make this? Uh, you know, where they where they have a chance to go deep. I mean, people talk about the goaltending. Is it good enough? Um, that defense, uh, does he layer the minutes more evenly as he did early uh, and go with those three centers? There's all kinds of tweaks you can make without reinventing the wheel. What would those tweaks be if you were running the show?
1: Well, the, the thing that stood out for me, Robin, when they fired Dave Tippett was – You know, let's think back three years when they hired Dave Tippett, and a lot of voices out there were so concerned that they've hired this defensive coach, right? Dave Tippett was going to drive Edmonton's offense into the ground. Connor McDavid was going to turn into, you know, John Madden. Uh, It was going to be a disaster. And the reality of this was Dave Tippett gets fired because the Edmonton Oilers never figured out how to play a proper defensive hockey game. Dave Tippett couldn't teach him defense, Ken Hitchcock couldn't teach him defense. Todd McCullen couldn't teach him defense so uh, I'm, I'll repeat what I said I don't need 2 win games in October November December but this team is going nowhere right I don't even care about the goaltending we may hit the point guys where, where you go okay this is a good defensive team and they're giving up barely any chances and too many are going in the net they got to get a goalie I'm saying the goaltending it's totally up for grabs right now I get that yeah but with the 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 quality of chance that this team gives up on every given night that I watch them play, it doesn't matter who's in goal. They will not win down the stretch. They will not win in the playoffs. You saw that Islanders game, right? Mike Smith stood in his head. That's awesome. You're not getting that every night. No. I don't care who goalie is. So they got to learn how to play a better defensive game. They got to be harder to play against And By that, I mean, The two-on-ones and three-on-ones can't grow on trees against this team, man. It's got to be something that's hard to earn.
0: A former NHL netminder who then became a goaltending coach who isn't anymore. We were talking about uh, Koskinen and his suspect glove hand, and Mm -hmm. he laughed. And I said, why are you laughing? He says, you know what? If the defense can just take away a little bit more of that time that that shooter has to determine that he's going glove side... He says, it, right. it's, only a, it's only a nanosecond. He says, if they can take away a little bit of time, it's amazing how much better the net mining will get. Yeah. And and this is Connect, another one of those right. conversations where we can think it, but you need to have somebody who's played it tell it to you. And then you go, of course. And maybe that's right. all that's going to be required here to make the goaltending a little bit better is just to take away a little bit of that extra time. He said, there's a... Sn- If you give enough guys enough time, they're going to turn into snipers because they're going to find that corner because they're great shooters. You're playing in the National Hockey League at a high, high skill level. You just can't give those guys that kind of time. And I guess we're going to find that out here over the next couple of months, right?
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. Like, you know, remember, Smith and Kostin gave the Oilers, I think they had the seventh highest save percentage in the league last year. You know what? That's good enough. The Should be here, the problem here is obvious. Smith, you can't trust that he's going to stay healthy. That's the biggest problem. But I would rather. I don't like to see a team sit that sits around and and says, "Well, we, you know, the body language is we can't win until we get a goalie here. Ken Holland has to go save the day for us." Yeah, Ken Holland needs to get a goalie out there. I get that. There may not be right a great a number one awesome starter out there to be to be. Uh, procured yeah he may not be there so in the meantime what this what this team and this coaching staff can do is take those chances and do exactly what you just said bridge just cut the chances down give the guys you have a chance and then maybe if you've got proper structure and a proper defensive spine if you do get a really good
2: goalie well now you become a you know a team that could win a couple of rounds in the playoffs do you see that structure becoming better that you mentioned? I'm thinking of the default. And when you got players, it's great. I understand it. It's not a good idea, but I understand it. You can't ride two guys into the ground because sooner or later, the guy in the other dressing room just circles those two names and you take them away and you got a team that can't win hockey games. Um, Is there enough balance here if everybody plays as they can? And if Woodcroft uh, keeps with uh, those three guys down the middle instead of bundling them up too often?
1: I think that, you know, Holland hasn't been perfect, right? The Kyle Tourist acquisition was a bust. He doesn't help. Uh, you know, the fantasy trade was a bust, whatever. I'm not saying Kenny Holmes made a couple of mistakes here. But I'll tell you what, Zach Kyman is a really good player yeah. and was an excellent acquisition, and he makes you better offensively and defensively. Evander Kane, say what you want about him, he's a very good player. You acquired a first-line player, put him on your left wing, made your forwards a lot deeper. And Dylan Holloway is a kid that's on the farm and he's gonna be up, and I think he'll help you down the stretch run. So you know, a lot of people look at this team and say, oh, they're so flawed and they're everything's wrong with them. You know what? I'm not picking. I don't call the Edmonton Oilers a Stanley Cup contender, but they're not that bad a team, Rob. Yeah. Right? They got decent depth up front. Their defense is, you know, could it get better? Of course it get better. It's not that bad. Right? It's not that bad if the guys play better and, and play to their capabilities. So I'm going to say this. You know why can't this team get right itself and have some success? And then if Holland can augment him at the deadline, make them even better. But this is a team that should a make the playoffs and b be very capable of winning at least around.
0: You uh, you mentioned Darnell Nurse in the much talked about column, and I I agree completely. I, I think here's a a young guy who, if he worried just a little bit more about his own zone, would be a very dominant hockey player rather than try to be Bobby or out there. I know you pointed that out and I'm sure that that came up in one of two or three different conversations with guys, but but there's a, there is some talent back there. You're right. It's all about just molding and forming them into something a little bit different, right?
1: Well, I, I think it's a it's a metaphor for this Oilers team. Like Darnell Nurse should be your best defender. Right? He's your biggest guy back there. He's your best skater. Like he's a fabulous skater. Guys, yeah. you know, he, Top ten percent skater among defensemen in the National Hockey League, uh, and he's big and strong and and smart. So he should be able to defend. Now, if you defend a little and you you join a three on you know a two on one and take a, a trail pass and score a goal, that's awesome. But what I'm seeing in Darnell Nurse is way too much time trying to be an offensive force, and in the meantime, he's not living up to his capabilities defensively. So this is a metaphor for the Edmonton Oilers, right? Yeah. This is a metaphor for let's go get some more offense and we'll worry about the defense later. Nurse has to, in my eyes, Nurse has to become, uh, you know, a defensive stalwart. He needs to be a guy that you just can't score when he's out there. And he's not that worried about scoring points. I don't care how many points Nurse gets you. This team can score goals. Not that worried about it, you know. So the back I end. Think, yeah. Yeah, I think he needs to focus down on his own zone because really that's where he would impact this
2: team the most in my opinion. Spec one guy who is out now Duncan Keith generated a lot of discussion at the start of the year. A lot of that doesn't matter now uh, whether he could have bargained harder, uh, you know, to acquire Duncan Keith. Once he gets back and up and running, I was impressed with how we came along after some sort of settling in time uh, i think if they get get into the stretch and contending for something he becomes a more valuable guy because there will be nothing that he hasn't seen before that he can't help some of the other guys in that room with what's your take on what keith might be down the stretch
1: well i think first of all after the first two months of figuring out his way around here he's been in one of the top defensemen like this this whole thing about oh duncan keith was a you know he's finished and he can't play, and that's that's just patently untrue, right? Even the even the analytics numbers are telling you that he's a pretty he's a good second pairing defenseman. We yeah. can argue whether paying him five and a half million is too much and whether Chicago could eat some. That is a fair argument. I get that, but there is no argument about if he's helping this team. So, you know these intangibles that you're talking about, Robin, we're just starting to get to the point in the calendar where they're really going to help. You know, unfortunately he's hurt. He'll probably be back in a couple of weeks, I assume. But uh, it would be an awful shame to have paid Duncan Keith a bunch of money and to have bring him into your team and not be playing hockey at the time of year when his qualities are so so valuable, right? Like I don't buy – I buy a lot of that intangible stuff. For sure I do. And I know a lot of people don't. Uh, But I'll tell you this. It's worth a lot more in May and June than it ever is going to be in October and November, and the Oilers need not waste that. Right? They've acquired this guy. Now they got to be playing at the time of year when Duncan Keith can really help you.
0: I know your focus is primarily on hockey, but last week on the Outsiders we had Victor Quay, the new president of the Edmonton Elks. Yeah. So for me, last year, 2021, I I this is a guy who grew up. In the Knothole gang at Clark Stadium, a long, long time ago. What did I? And, oh, so so for me, going to a football game was big. I had become so disenchanted with things, I stopped going. And so we have we have uh, we have Victor on the uh, podcast last week, and after he pushed away, and we uh, we basically published this thing. All week, I thought to myself how excited I was about the upcoming football season. And Chris Jones has gone around and signed practically everybody. But uh, I know that you like going to the odd football game. Uh, how, how do you see things here a little bit? Because, And I also believe the Dwayne Mandruziak thing is going to get solved. He's going to be back working for the football club here in due time. There's going to be a lot of rights that were wronged that will be rights again. But how do you feel about it?
1: Yeah, I think you make up the point with the rights and wrongs. The the Elks slash Eskimos lost the plot a little bit here, right? Uh, you know, they became over the last several years, they became increasingly media unfriendly, in my opinion. Uh, they they you know, in the end, they did a lot of things wrong around the team and then when they put a team in the field that couldn't win either. Oh, the whole thing had an ugly smell to it, didn't it? Yeah. You know, one thing, if you're winning, you can get away with some slip-ups on the outside the sidelines, but when you stop winning, man, everything's up for review. So Victor's got a, a, a big job in front of him, but the the what I've seen from him is he seems to have a his eye on the right targets. He seems to know that this is a special trust when you're running the Eskimo or the Elks in Edmonton. And uh, I think I like the direction they're going for what I could see. Every one of us guys who who are from Edmonton, and Robin, you know, you probably grew up a Lions fan when you were a kid, but every every one of us has a place in our heart for our local CFL team. I'm not saying I'm going to 10 home games next year, but I'm I'm supposed to be an objective media guy, but I'm an Edmontonian first, and I didn't like what I saw down there, and I'd be awfully happy, Bryn, to see that team
2: get healthy again. Speck, I got to tell you. Sitting, same thing. It was a, it was tied to the TD Bank. Then it wasn't the Knothole Gang. We get our discount tickets at the bank. Sitting in the corner at Empire Stadium, watching the Edmonton Eskimos come in and kick the shit out of the BC Lions for fun, uh, and then, as if that wasn't bad enough, we send them Tom Wilkinson, Larry Highbaugh, yeah, and a whole bunch of other guys. Yeah, I, you know what. If you lose that crowd, if you lose the kids who remember those kind of things, that's bad enough. But the other part of this that I think Victor can address, like he's not a young guy, he's 50, but he's savvy when it comes to who he needs to communicate to and how he needs to do it. You need the old white guys, to use the term that was thrown around, but you also need to appeal to the young non-white people diverse crowd the the young white people the young everybody and it sounds to me like this yeah he's got he's got a plan on how to do it well that's the key here
1: you know i've got a, a son uh who's 25 and a couple of stepsons are just a little older than that and and they're varying levels of interest on the cfl and let's face it it's the cfl's they got to get younger. I know it went over poorly whoever it was on the board that talked about the demographic of, you know, of their yeah. season ticket holders.
0: Ian Murray, um, the, the Ian Murray is the head of the board who I went to high school with for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, oh, right? I'm sure he'd love yeah. to have it back.
1: Yeah, hey, he's right. Yeah, he, yeah. It hurts. You know, the truth hurts. The season ticket holder down at Commonwealth Stadium is generally some guy that looks a lot like you and me, Bryn and Robin. Yeah. So <laughs> they got to figure it out. They can't. It's it's like curling. You know, you ever go to the Briar? Like they need people that are under 50 at the Briar, man. Not people, more people that are over 50. And that's a tough nut to crack.
0: The other thing too, Robin, you shouldn't be so harsh on your British Columbia Lions for a bunch of reasons. One, you still retained Ray Nettles who I still remember in the linebacking corps who had that seagull feather in his in his helmet during the games. I don't know how he was allowed to do that. Now it would be forbidden. And and Jim Young was there and uh, Don Moorhead. Oh, my God, we could go way back with a lot I of these names.
1: Queen man myself.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Number 14, Joe <go> For <laughs> The other thing, too, Ryan Reynolds at the Super Bowl on Sunday. Did you see the picture he posted with uh, Will Ferrell? All dressed up in his British Columbia Lions gear, Robin. so you got to love that. Will is a is a big fan, apparently, of your football, your old football club, the Orange Team. It's pretty funny stuff yesterday.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, and I won't take us down the road too long here because it, it's been pretty good so far. The reason I got interested in becoming a sports writer, well, A, I was never good enough to play anything beyond a, a hack level. I used to go to Empire Stadium and I used to see Jim Taylor, oh, shuffling down yeah. the stairs from the press box, walking around the end of the end zone, right in front of our cheapo seat section, to hustle into the dressing room. And I thought, who is this little bald man with the short sleeve shirt on and the bad looking shoes? And I figured, I, I figured out who it was and started reading him in the Province newspaper, and that was my first interested in interest in hey you you don't have to play football to be able to make a living at it. You can write about it. That's just a little aside right there. So, yeah, uh, the BC Lions were a great help in leading me to a distinctly mediocre journalism career. God bless them for that. Hey,
0: Speck, we, we'll let you go. Is there anything else you want to wrap this baby up with?
1: Uh, no, I'd like to say, I guess I, I, I'm happy to hear uh, a little discourse on, on journalism once in a while. We, yeah. we it's a tough profession right now. Uh, and there's not a lot of, you know, I mean, people love it when someone takes down the local journalism journalist a little bit. Uh, so I'm happy. I'm thankful to you guys for, you know, flying our flag a little bit, because I think we all agree what we're trying to do. We're trying to do for, you know, we're, we're trying to do right by the reader and by the fan and by the listener. And, uh, sometimes I think the reader fan and listener is forgetting about that a little bit.
0: Well, I just thought we needed to do a little uh, explaining on a few things because it's completely lost. And you know what? Whether they care or not, it doesn't really matter. At least now, maybe you'll see it a little bit differently. Thanks for your time. We uh, we don't do this enough. You and Bob play nice, okay? You got it, partner. Well, 2022 is well underway. And even though many felt that last year was a very good year in the Metro Edmonton real estate market, things are looking even better this year already. Yeah, it's not crazy like some parts of the country. We talked to somebody in Ottawa last week. It's insane there. But it's pretty good right now here. Yeah, it's a great time to start gearing up if you're starting to think about looking for a new place or maybe even putting your place on the market because people are looking already. Interest is high to buy inventory. And also the inventory in the market is low at this time of year, which is totally the norm. So anyway... I'm encouraging you to get a hold of the group at the Macintosh Group at REMAX River City. Yeah, it's uh, it's real simple to find them too. 780-464-0075 or McIntoshGroup.ca. But start the process going right now. They'll give you a complimentary evaluation of your current home. There's no obligation, no deadline for this offer. So if you're really thinking about it, don't let the market pass you by. Now is a great time to get a hold of them. Both buyers and sellers can contact the Macintosh Group at REMAX River City once again. That phone number, 780-464-0075, or find them at macintoshgroup.ca. And one last thing, when you talk to them, tell them The Outsider sent you. Wow, I thought that was a great episode today. You know what? It, that's a conversation that I've been meaning to have with somebody, and the timing of having Mark Spector join us today was fantastic. Just to try to maybe shine a little bit of light on the relationship between players and the media and even a little bit between media and fans, but uh, spec brought it today. I thought it was great.
2: Well, you know what? I re- really enjoyed it. And uh, uh, I didn't do the walk down memory lane uh, thing with spec while we had him on, but I think about it, uh, Bryn, when I got to the journal speck and i were the two young guys yeah uh we were the only guys at that point who were single so we ended up going out and having some brew on more than one occasion and now i'm thinking that was 1989 holy crap that's 33 years ago so yeah, it's the first time. And you know what? Talking a little bit about the biz, like you mentioned, uh, the journalism business has changed. He's right in the mix now. Uh, yeah, I tell you what, that's uh, things are different now today, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse, but definitely different than when all of us started in it. I always had a theory that my opinion
0: could be changed if somebody was kind enough, strong enough, had some great points, that they could sway me to their side of the conversation. I think that the walls that have gone up between players and media, between media and fans, and it's a lot more harsh. Social media has got to take a lot of responsibility for that. That I think it's easier to pass along your viewpoint and you may not change somebody's opinion, but you know what? If it's a great, smart, uh, educated discussion or discourse as i've heard the word used numerous times over the last week i love it when people can change my opinion and my opinion is always open to be changed because that's how the world should work there should be certain way, there should be i think that we've lost that the civil nature in in the discourse when it comes to trying to change somebody's opinion but you also have to recognize you might not be able to do it and if you can't You don't have to hate that person or unfollow that person. I just wish we would just chill out a bit.
2: Well, Brent, I mean, social media could be a great tool, and there are circumstances when it is. Um, It's not always and only. But I'll tell you what, the default now is F you, pal, I disagree um, Click name calling some of the, yeah, so there's a lot of horseshit on social media. It's not about debate. And I get, yeah, I'm not shocked. I'm not, Oh my, I don't lose any sleep over it, but it's just too bad because if you would have told somebody, you know, 20, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, you could connect immediately. You could text each other. Uh, without having to lick a stamp and put it on an envelope (laughs) or, or, you know, you could have immediate communication with somebody across town, across the country, across the world about something you love, like hockey or sports or politics. You'd go fantastic. Well, we've got that now, but so much of it comes down to, I disagree. So I'm going to call you names and I'm going to block your ass. And, um, it's too bad because I tell you what, it's a there's a lot of potential there that uh, is just sliding by and it's just used for name-calling online. Too bad. The big thing for me, though, is I like to hear everybody's
0: opinions. I don't care if it's to the right side politically, to the left side politically. I just want to hear it all. It's up to me to determine which direction I'm going to go with that particular information. But it's just... I'm appalled by the fact that people are not open to listening to people, regardless of whether you agree with them or not. And this even goes into sports, we can all disagree. And I—I but for me, I still like to have, I like that constant feedback from everybody because I might change my opinion. I might not. But uh, everything that we've seen happen here this year has been fascinating to me. And the Oilers have provided, you know, they got off to a great start. Then they had that, uh, it was at least a seven-game losing skid. You can only really have one of those a season. They've kind of almost approached two. Up. I don't know if that's going to cost them down the stretch here because trying to catch up to the pack, they're not far out of it, but they're going to have to go on a bit of a run here. But uh, it's been a it's been a fun hockey season to to watch. It's been frustrating. It's been annoying. It's been invigorating. It's been all of those things. You're speechless. I appreciate that. Did I, I did I overtalk?
2: I I'm just thinking though, it has run the gamut because it's very rare, Bryn, that you get a season like this where. Like here in Edmonton, for instance, the Oilers were so good early. Yeah. Like ridiculously good early that you had to write it off and go, they're not this good. Then they got so bad <laughs> that you had to write it off and say, they're not this bad. Right. So we, what remains to see with a new coach in place and Evander Kane on board and hopefully Mike Smith uh, healthy for more than a week at a time is the middle ground between those two where does that put the oilers that's what we remains to see and that's where the intrigue in the rest of the season is from a local perspective congratulations to the los
0: angeles rams your super bowl champions i, I was highly entertained by the football game on super bowl sunday super bowl 56 i uh, i i i guess i i have to be honest i was kind of pulling a little bit for cincinnati but uh i really enjoyed the game and and I'm an older guy. Can I just say this, and this is going to fly in the face of of a lot of things i I actually loved the halftime show, and that doesn't exactly fit my demographic. I don't really care. I think maybe I think a little younger than my demo, but uh, I enjoyed the halftime show a lot.
2: Did you see any of it? Yeah, you know what? I have a good laugh. I was <clears throat> I watched it, and I'll tell you what. people are arguing on Twitter. What aftermath about about yes stunner, uh, which generation these performers belong to, and I remember looking at it and thinking, uh, you, you know, some well not so much me, but I know people commenting, oh, this newfangled stuff. I don't care for it much. Newfangled stuff. Guess what, Eminem is forty nine years old. I, I was just
0: going to say I have a playlist. On Spotify that I listen to frequently.
2: I don't have and a Snoop one, but I love Snoop too. I, you know what? I, he never, he never did anything I thought was worth a damn. Um, but that's not because of the kind of music he's into. I just, I, I he didn't do it for me. Eminem did it for me. Coolio um, did it for me. Uh, you know, the old, remember the old Gangster's Paradise? I love, love that song. I still love that song. Yeah, yeah. So, you know what, but it was funny, your perception of what's new and what's old. I mean, we don't need to have the all three quarters dead carcasses of the Rolling Stones up on stage. I anymore. do. I'll, I'll go to another show if they're still performing, although we're missing Charlie. You'd, well, you'd be you'd be. You'd be doing what we've talked about with Vic Qui and the CFL. You'd be neglecting a big part of your demo. Uh, you know, hey, I, I love all those old bands, but it's time. And again, when you think of some of the performers from this weekend as newer stuff, you better check the birth certificates on them because it's not all that new.
0: I, I don't know if the Rolling Stones is a, a good example, though, Robin, because every time I've gone to a Stones concert, I will see somebody my age I will see somebody who would be my kid and I will see that person yeah. with their kid. So it, it does span over three generations and at our house too. There's a constant. Okay. So if I got Sirius XM on, uh, in the house and it's the seventies on seven or the eighties on eight or the nineties on nine, it seems to, it seems to encompass everybody in our household. Everybody seems to know the music from the seventies as much as they knew the music from the two thousands. So Anyway, I love the halftime show. I thought it was great. I understand what they're doing. I understand the demo they're going after. I thought it was, I, I'm like you. that wasn't, uh, wasn't necessarily in my wheelhouse, but it it would certainly be in the demographic. The NFL know what they're doing when it comes to marketing. I think they get it, right? So anyway, mm-hmm. that's about it. Uh can't think of anything else. I guess we see where the next week goes. I can't believe that the, when you take a look at... This is podcast 94. This is the Ryan Smith podcast. We We're going to be up to 99 before you know it. Hey, before we go, check us out on Twitter, by the way. The handle's simple. It's at Outsiders2020. That's when we started up. Make sure you tell your friends to subscribe or follow us. Our RSS feed is on any of your favorite ear candy sites, Apple, Google, Spotify, Pocket Cast, et cetera. The best part about the RSS feed is that when you follow along, When we drop a new episode, you get it right away. And we're also on YouTube video is coming shortly. Robin, how's your luxurious studio in Southwest Edmonton doing?
2: Oh, it's, it's absolutely fabulous. And you mentioned, you know, you mentioned uh, the, the lighting, the lighting only gets better as we head into spring. I love it. When it's I'm sitting in front of a window that's literally 14 feet high. So, As long as we're not starting at 5 in the morning, we're going to be well lit, shall we say. One uh, month away,
0: by the way, from uh, daylight saving time, in case you're wondering. Yes. I uh, record downtown Edmonton at the Road 55 studio. Hey, your support is greatly appreciated. Uh, Anytime you drop us a note, trust me, we're going to get back to you. And uh, there's lots of new features we're going to be adding over time here. We get bigger and better, but we don't do it without your support. And the really big thing is to retweet on Twitter. When you see that we've dropped a new episode, retweet it to your buds. That's, uh, that, that pushes us along beautifully, and that's what we really like. Robin, that's it for today. Can you believe it? It went by really quick. Again. Yeah. Thanks, Robin. We'll talk to you next week, okay?
2: Uh-huh. castle
0: road 55